0: Welcome back to the Most Accurate Podcast here at 444 Football, the final edition of our special Wednesday Preview Show. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle. Joined today, for the last time this year, none other than the man himself who has been behind the scenes, sifting through all the projections and rankings for Championship Week, it is John Paulson. JP, how's it going?
1: Uh, doing pretty well. Had a good Christmas. Looking forward to New Year, and uh, it's exciting. This is our last show of the season, so we to get uh, our subscribers and our watchers and our listeners uh, some some fantasy championships this week.
0: You set the bar high. Uh, my bar was we got to get through it. You said win championships, but okay, I like both of those goals here. Of course, also joined by the director of analytics here at Four 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 Football. None other than Sam Hoppin. Sam, post-holidays, post-negative degrees, how are you doing?
2: Doing well. Uh, Excited for this weird little blast of heat we're going to get over the next couple of days. And and crazy, it's week 17 already. It it feels like just yesterday we were debating, you know, Daryl Henderson and Allen Robinson rankings. And uh, look where we are now.
0: Don't remind me that my life is a waste of time in the grand scheme of things. And... It is week 17, but we still have a lot to go because lots of moving pieces here for the championship round. And let's begin with Derrick Henry, which everyone is on watch for, for Thursday night. Yes, he did practice on Tuesday, limited session, but with the Titans and this game against the Cowboys, not meaning a single thing for the outcome. I question even if the practice reports matter at all, because Derek Henry and being on a contending team will still walk through and still practice. But what the whole point is, is him resting against live game contact and getting to week 18 to play the Jaguars for the AFC South Championship. The Jaguars, of course, who also, in my opinion, are playing to win this week. Since everyone is misplacing this idea, they're going to sit starters, even though there is an quote-unquote unlikely scenario where they can win in week 17 and then lose in week 18 and still slip into the wild card. But again, that unlikely scenario for the Jaguars still entails them winning in week 17. So I don't understand where everyone has come up with this idea that they may sit. But anyways, Paulson, let's start with the Titans here on Thursday against a Cowboys team who are also trying to win since they can still get the number one seed in the NFC with quite a few things having to happen. What are your thoughts if Henry were to sit in this game and a Hassan Haskins is in his place?
1: So, I think uh, Haskins would be a sneaky start if Henry sits, but it's just a volume based sneaky start. Um, really, it's a bad matchup against Dallas. Uh, Dallas is pretty motivated. Uh, by sitting Henry, you know, they're basically signaling that they don't care to win the game. Uh, so, I don't know how much the, that offense is going to move the ball. Uh, but I think for Henry uh, managers, it's really. You really have to pay attention on Thursday. Like you can't have him in your lineup, you know, and just go off and go to the bar or something. You gotta pay attention. Make sure you uh, sit him uh, if he is inactive on uh, Thursday, and you to pay attention to the pregame reports where you might get some news that he's going to be very limited if he does play. I think it's very strange that um, they would even have him active in this game, given the the short week, the hip injury, and the importance of the week eighteen game versus the week seventeen game.
0: I'll be at Mad Tree in Cincinnati if anyone does want to go to the bar, though. Sam, my concern also, because I agree with you, Paulson, and I said that in the waiver show on Monday, that Haskins would simply be a touch-based RB3 since I have no faith in this Titans offense, averaging 15 points per game in their last five contests, and more importantly, with Malik Willis under center. I get offended for rushing quarterbacks whenever people call him a rushing quarterback because right now he's taking a sack on every seven and a half dropbacks and for the year has completed 50% of his passes for three picks, no interceptions. Sam, do you have any faith in Traylon Burks and Chica Conquo in this game against Dallas?
2: No, not at all. I, you mentioned how poor of a passer that Malik Willis has been. You can look at the the pass rate over expectation charts and in, in every single Malik Willis start it's sub negative fifteen percent. So they are, they they just want to run the ball when Willis is under center. It sounds like Hill is, I think for sure, out for this game. It, it really wouldn't make sense for them to have him come back anyway. And so i I wouldn't try. I, I would be fine benching both of those guys. And if for some reason they find the end zone or whatever, I, I'm willing to live with that
0: in the unlikely event though paulson that henry starts on thursday i'm assuming he's still going to be a top 10 running back for you
1: yeah i mean he's the big dog so if he's out there you pretty much have to start him you just don't know why they're doing it but i mean there there is a scenario where you know he's splitting the work or you know getting one third of his work but uh it's derrick henry so you you're Unless unless we get some kind of word that he's going to be seriously limited, you have to start him.
0: Let's move on to another touch-and-go situation because ESPN's Dan Graziano reports that he would be surprised if Jalen Hurts played this week against New Orleans. The Eagles, per Graziano, believe they will have Hurts back before their first playoff game, but they still aren't sure about the extent to which the injury will affect him, his shoulder injury, of course, once he does return. So let's assume it's Gardner Minshew back under center against New Orleans Paulson. What are your thoughts on Minshew and the Eagles offense overall? Because if I'm playing devil's advocate, I could poke a few holes here and say it's a completely different spot, given that the Cowboys defense has been one of the worst in the league the second half of the season. We talked about the injury clusters they have faced. And because of that, Trevor Lawrence QB five two weeks ago. Gardner Minshew QB seven this past game. So thoughts on Minshew now, and arguably a tougher spot against the Saints.
1: Uh, I still would like Minshew uh, in this spot, given the supporting cast that he has. He played uh, well enough. Um, the Saints are uh, sort of, you know, they are a better matchup, I guess, or a worse matchup at this point than the uh, than the Cowboys, but they're they're still sort of a middle of the road. Uh, Pass defense against quarterbacks. I think there looks like they're you know, in the 20s in terms of a uh, fantasy points allowed. 16.2 uh, fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks this year. Uh, so I, I, I just think that with this offense and these these weapons, then Minshew is still a pretty good start, top 10 type start this week.
0: Sam, any thoughts on the fallout with Minshew, who did finish with the seventh highest depth of target? In Week 16, as well as they did not hold anything back and just allow him to rear back and throw,
2: I do think it's. I don't think the ceiling is quite there for Minshew and the pass catchers this week because part of the reason they did pass the ball so much is they were forced to pass the ball a ton and and keep up with the Dallas Cowboys and the New Orleans Saints, especially if Chris Olave is out again do not have the horses to keep up with the Philadelphia Eagles, even with the injuries that they are facing. So I I still think you're starting, you know, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown. I think you're still starting Dallas Goddard as well, if you have him. I think the floor is pretty high for those players, but I wouldn't expect them to be in a shootout where they're putting up 30-plus points again this week.
0: Splits also severely skewed for New Orleans defense, which is in favor of Ventu if you're forced to start him again, since the Saints have played Deshaun Watson and Desmond Ritter the past two games, which don't matter for defensive splits. But before then, Tom Brady 280 and two touchdowns. Garoppolo had 220 and a touchdown. And even Matthew Stafford, before he got injured in week 11, had 150 yards and two touchdowns. Let's go to another situation where we are just heard Teddy Bridgewater will be starting for Tua Tagovailoa. And considering that Tua suffered in arguably his third concussion now in the last three months, I would guess he's probably going to miss the rest of the year. But Paulson, now against the Patriots' defense, initial thoughts with Bridgewater and the fallout with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, which I think are still an amazing spot here in Week 16.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think that the Miami offense takes a big step back with Teddy at quarterback. He's uh, He had two spot fill-ins this year, 37 for 60 for 522 yards, three touchdowns, three interceptions, 8.7 yards per attempt, which is pretty impressive. Uh, 20 targets went to Tyreek Hill, uh, 13.8 yards per target, target to Hill. Uh, 10 targets went to Waddle, 9.6 yards per target to Waddle. Uh, interestingly, uh, had his, uh, two touchdown, uh, it was a two touchdown game. He had six for 53 and two touchdowns on eight targets, uh, in one of those games with, uh, Bridgewater. So he's kind of a interesting dart throw, uh, maybe in DFS for DFS purposes. But from the look of that, of those numbers, Tyreek's still a must start. Uh, Waddle is probably a must start, but he does, uh, in this small sample does have a lower target rate than he does with. Tua. Um, but you know, I'm a believer in Jalen Waddle and the, and the yards per target is pretty healthy. there at 9.6 yards per target. So, uh, I think he can still do some damage. I just don't know if I'd have him ranked quite as high as if, uh, two over there, but this is a good, this is a good spot. I mean, the, the Patriots have a good defense, but, uh, Teddy knows what he's doing. And, uh, they're, they're not the, the staunch, staunch defense, stingy defense, past defense that they've had in years past.
0: To that point, we know their splits against above average quarterbacks have dipped tremendously against Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Tua in week one, Kirk Cousins, Josh Allen, and Joe Burrow last week. They've allowed 18 fantasy points per game, which would be good for the QB 10 on the year. So basically, anytime they don't play Zach Wilson or Mick Trubisky, they allow a QB one in fantasy, which, Sam, is why I'm actually really high on Bridgewater. And I genuinely think the scheme for Miami is better than the Patriots defense.
2: It most certainly is. I mean, we saw Sunday too. We actually haven't seen this much with the Dolphins receivers getting a lot of yards after catch, which I think a lot of people expected coming into the season. But we saw Jalen Waddell catch that ball about 10 yards downfield and then just burst off into the open field, run past all the Packers defenders there. And both Hill and Waddle have the speed to be able to hit the end zone like that. And so, I think if you're in a pinch, you're, cert, you know, you certainly could do worse than Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback and Hill and Waddle are, are for sure must starts the it, the best part about this Dolphins offense is that it's really just those two, you know, Mike Gusecki, Trencher Field, Cedric Wilson get involved here and there, but they're not taking away opportunities like you see in some other offenses.
0: The Lions Bears game. Lions, of course, with the highest, the second highest team total in the week, twenty nine and a half points, and climbing this total, one of the highest of the week, given that we are back indoors in Detroit, and unfortunately, Paulson, we are up in the air with Justin Fields' status right now because, and suffering an ankle sprain against the Bills in that polar weather only finished with 11 rushing yards, and so he's still 196 full yards shy of Lamar Jackson's single-season rushing record. And given that the Bears can still clinch the number one overall pick, clinch if you want to phrase it that way, there's, there's real question mark whether they even put Fields out there for the next two games. So let's for a second assume Fields starts. In any other scenario, we would make a very good matchup for him. What are your thoughts on Justin Fields if he plays?
1: Yeah, we just see what uh, the practice status is this week and if he's limited or if he's full. Uh, He did run seven times, just only got 11 yards uh, last week. So just poor efficiency. But, you know, he typically, I mean, seven rushes isn't too, too low for him. Uh, The Lions have given up the most rushing yards to quarterbacks this year. uh, So that's working in his favor. They're bad against the pass as well. So that works in his favor. So there's multiple ways for him to get there. If he does play, but uh, certainly we need to be paying attention to whether or not uh, they want to roll him out there, uh, you know, given the injury.
0: Sam, any thoughts on Justin Fields or for the Lions offense, for that matter? Considering I know Jamal Williams has scored less than six fantasy points because he doesn't catch passes in his last three games. But again, given that the Bears defense is so woeful since week nine, since they traded Robert Quinn uh, and... Roquan Smith allowing over 150 rushing yards, 32 points a league high per game. What are your thoughts on this game overall?
2: So I do think that Justin Fields will play. There was a, an article on The Athletic, and it sounds like uh, Matt Ibraflew said that Fields is good to go for Sunday's game in Detroit. Granted, it's pretty early, so things could change over the next couple of days. I, I've had it with DeAndre Swift. I mean, the, this game on Sunday was the game script for him to get involved as a pass catcher. They were down multiple scores for the entire game and he got five targets, but it should have been closer to eight or nine. He has not been able to do really anything with it. I think Jamal Williams is in a big spot right here with how bad the bears rushing defense and defense overall has been. They they're going to rely on him to rush the ball. So it's been disappointing for Williams the past couple weeks. If you're still in it with him, I think it will be tough to trust him in a lineup given that, but there's, I think there's just too much good coming his way for you to bench him in week 17. As far as the pass catchers for Detroit, I do think, you know, I'm not starting Shane Zilstra after his blow up spot this past week, but I'm on Ross St. Brown, and I think DJ Chark also has some an opportunity to have a big game as well.
0: There are two ways to spin it for DeAndre Swift-Paulson. You can say he has single-digit touches in six of his last eight games, or you can say he has double-digit touches in two of his last four. Which way do you lean for Week 17?
1: I was just checking uh, the news on Jamal Williams because he had his knee twisted and mm-hmm. it looked like You know, he might have a might have an issue playing this week. And if he were out, uh, I think I would be on board the Swift Justin Jackson train. Both of them are appealing in different scenarios, depending on your roster. But um, because you get your three headed backfield down to two, uh, I think right now, I you know, it's hard to trust Swift. I think both I think he could have a big game, especially if he's healthy. We were able to sort of predict his big games by the injury report, but last week I believe he was off the injury report and only had five touches and just pretty disappointing. I mean, it was pretty disappointing uh, uh, game all around uh, for that uh, rushing attack, but um, I think with while Williams back, you're really, I mean, you have a great matchup with the bear with the bears, but we just don't know how they're going to uh, divvy up the carries. And it seems like if, if Williams is limited, they're not really pushing those touches to Swift they're giving Justin Jackson more work
0: let's get into Mike White also returning lots of quarterback shakeups in week 17 which is why there are so many dominoes still to fall ahead of Sunday but we do have faith in Mike White and we recall him and this offense averaging 43 pass attempts per game in a white Citric offense in his three starts earlier this year now against a poor Seahawks defense that has just collapsed over the last six games due to injuries most likely 28 and a half points per game allowed in that span only a 28% chance to make the playoffs now according to 538 so what is the fallout here with Mike White back under center for the Jets skill players Paulson
1: Yeah I think you have to like Garrett Wilson more uh you look at his three games with Mike White he had 5 for 95 and two touchdowns on eight targets he had 8 for 162 on 15 targets and then I guess, I think it was against the bills six for 78 on seven targets. So, you know, a minimum of 78 yards receiving there and three Mike white games. I think Garrett Wilson becomes a must start uh, with Corey Davis back. I don't have a lot of confidence in Elijah Moore. I mean, one or one or both of those might have a good game for you, but I don't trust really either uh, given that, you know, how they have divvied up targets when all three have been healthy. Well, Wilson's the only one that's really solid to me. The thing I wonder about with the Jets in this game is that the Seahawks' rush defense is really bad. So do they go really run heavy with Zonovan Knight and Michael Carter and uh, try to win the game that way? Or are they throwing it 40-plus times like you mentioned, John? Because when Mike White's been under center, it's been a lot more pass-heavy that offense uh, this year.
0: And the Jets, of course, playing for their lives since they can get the final AFC wildcard spot with consecutive wins and one Patriots loss over the next two games. Your thoughts, Sam, on the Jets offense. Garrett Wilson to Paulson's point, averaging 21.4 fantasy points with Mike White compared to 8.8 with Zach Wilson this year.
2: I mean I, I would echo everything John said. I think it, it's it's a spot where you're gonna want to start Garrett Wilson if if Mike White starts it, it has not been good at all for Zach Wilson in any sense of the fashion. You just got to hope that Zach, or uh, excuse me, Mike White doesn't go out and the the Jets bring Chris Streveler in because that would be absolutely terrible for him. But I think if if Mike White is healthy and is playing, then he's going to tough through it as much as he can.
0: Also, I'm with you, Paulson, that we're not necessarily trusting the ancillary players outside of Garrett Wilson and Zonovan Knight. But I do think it's a good matchup for Elijah Moore um, in the slot. That's where Seattle has allowed the second most receiving touchdowns to opposing wide receivers in the league, whereas Tariq Woolen and everyone else pretty much stuffs receivers from the boundary. Wilson, of course, gets used all over the field, so that doesn't matter at all. For Antonio Gibson, though, not only Washington changing up their situation under center, but also Antonio Gibson now dealing with a foot sprain and the reports right now are that quote unquote they're going to have to monitor that injury very closely this week, which I guess Paulson leads us to be very high on Brian Robinson, given that the Browns are still a run funnel defense.
1: Yeah, uh, the Browns are a good matchup for for Washington and Robinson, and even Jonathan Williams as you know maybe a dart throw desperation start in deeper formats if Gibson were to sit. Robinson, though you know, last week saw 22 carries uh, compared to eight combined carries for Gibson and Williams. So you know, it's like a three to one ratio there. And if he, uh, if Gibson does sit, I feel pretty confident about uh, Robinson as you know a middle of the road RB two with John Jonathan Williams just sort of sprinkling in as uh, passing down back and change of pace back.
0: Sam, any thoughts on Jonathan Williams, Brian Robinson? Or is it a situation when Carson Wentz? You would still want to avoid this backfield, even if Gibson were out.
2: I'd want to start Brian Robinson. He's had at least twenty carries in three of his last six games. He's the primary rusher for the Commanders right now. And like Paulson mentioned, the or maybe Dagle mentioned the the Browns are the worst, if one of not if uh, if not one of the worst rushing defenses in the league. I do think. Antonio Gibson potentially being out could be a slight boost for Curtis Samuel. Uh, maybe they use him out of the backfield a little bit more as a pass catcher. Brian Robinson has has not been involved in the passing game whatsoever. It seems like they have some pretty clearly defined roles between their running backs, which is something we've always seen with them the past couple of years. So I, I don't think I'd trust anyone outside of Brian Robinson in that backfield.
0: Let's get to the situation under center for Carson Wentz because we recall Terry McLaurin did not have a finish any higher than wide receiver 22 in his first six games with Carson Wentz. Of course, a 16% target share in that span as well, only recorded 20% of Washington's targets in one of six of those games. Whereas now we've seen Jahan Dotson the last three games splash over 20% of the team's targets in three consecutive contests. And Wentz, of course, back under center. So Paulson, where are you ranking both McLaurin and Dotson this week?
1: Yeah. When I saw the uh the the Wentz news, I, you know, poured one out for McLaurin. I had to move him down five or eight spots in the in the rankings because he just does doesn't have the rapport. Uh, with Carson Wentz that he does with uh, Taylor Heineke, you mentioned the target rates. I, I show 15.3 percent with Wentz, 27.4 percent with Taylor Heineke, Heineke. So almost two to one ratio there. But I think the so I, I think you're still starting uh, McLaurin in most situations unless you're pretty stacked at receiver because he does have that huge upside if uh, if Wentz can hit him on a deep ball. Uh, but I think the maybe the, the sleeper here is Curtis Samuel who. Uh, is targeted by Wentz pretty frequently, twenty one point four percent with Wentz on Wentz passes, versus thirteen point nine percent with Heineke. I believe when Wentz came in last week, uh, Curtis Samuel got a touchdown pretty pretty quickly. And uh, as uh, Sam was mentioning with the uh, rushing attempts, perhaps there's a little bit of higher floor with him. So now maybe he's back in that wide receiver three mix that he was uh, at at the start of the season.
0: Of course, Sam. It was Samuel who led the team in targets, literally every single week, with Wince as well. Your thoughts on Washington's wide receivers?
2: I all I'll say is I agree with Paulson. Okay, I think that's, he summed it up perfectly. To be honest,
0: that's easy enough. Then, um, let's get into your charts for the week because we saw Leonard Fournette out touch Rashad White twenty nine to eleven. Lenny, of course, came out after the game, was complaining that he's been battling a Liz Frank injury, uh, which doesn't matter since he's been battling it. So it's not just something that happened in game. Your thoughts on this backfield for the championship round?
2: I do think so. The chart we've got here shows team total high value touches per game for the running back position. You can see here that the Buccaneers are second in the league. Behind the Chargers right now, which I think makes both Fournette and Rashad White startable this week. They are both getting a ton of opportunities. They both have double-digit opportunities since Week 13, uh, which is when Fournette returned from his injury absence. And I just think the way that their receivers are are not really doing much. It's it's sort of given them reason to rely on their backs now the rushing efficiency is not quite there but in fantasy football we really only care about volume for the the running back position to an extent so I think with the way that they treat their running backs with the way that Tom Brady treats running backs I think both of them should be started in week 17.
0: On the other side of the ball as well Paulson any lean on confident panthers starters outside of dj moore because on one hand bucks a stronger defense even though panthers just mauled what we thought was a good lines defense and also this game matters for both sides like the bucks can either win the nfc south or have a top 10 pick in the nfl draft that's how bad they've been they are literally a product of nfc football and the panthers are live to win the division with a win this week so your overall thoughts on the ancillary players in this game
1: uh well if you look at year to date, Tampa's pretty middle of the road against the run, four point five yards uh per carry allowed, 120 yards uh per game allowed. And you're right about that. I mean that was one of the biggest surprises. And I guess maybe, you know, looking back, it shouldn't be that surprising. You know, Detroit is typically a bad defense and uh, I don't know how they got exposed, you know, after pretty much shutting down a lot of rush defenses in a row prior to that Carolina game, but for, for Dante Foreman and for uh, Hubbard to both go off like that was the yeah. in the first half
0: Over a hundred in the first half.
1: I'm just looking at, I wanted to double check this on the our defense knowledge seeker report on, on the site, which is great. It could show, it shows all the, uh, how defenses have uh, given up uh, yards and touchdowns and catches and stuff to different positions. Um, the buccaneers pretty much over the last you know since week thirteen, still given up four point five one yards per carry to to opposing backs eighty nine yards uh, on average uh, thirty seven uh, receiving yards on average to opposing uh, backfields. so, I don't think it's a bad spot for Foreman and Hubbard. And if if they're going to run block like they did last week, then they both can produce against this team.
0: Tom Brady, of course, with nine turnovers in his last four games compared to none for the turnover-free Sam Darnold in that same span. We are all Panthers fans this week. Let's talk about the Dolphins running back, Sam, because we saw Jeff Wilson return for this team on Christmas morning. So what happened with their usage?
2: So – Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert essentially split work in the backfield. They both had 11 opportunities. Wilson had four more snaps. So I guess slightly more work there, but neither of them totaled more than 50 scrimmage yards. They just weren't really that efficient. And obviously, like I said, had the long touchdown for Jalen Waddle, which ate up a lot of that as well. They played the Patriots this week, like we've talked about. They are the, excuse me, the Patriots have been the fifth most difficult matchup by our adjusted fantasy points allowed. So I think it's tough to start either one of these guys in this game. Again, not knowing how, how effective Bridgewater is going to be in moving the ball. I know that's a little different than what I was saying earlier, but from a running game perspective, I don't think that. Mostert or Wilson are are really good enough at this point to stand out and get their on efficiency if they're only going to get 10 to 12 opportunities in this game. You can see, again, on this chart here that the Dolphins running backs have not gotten a lot of high-value touches as well. They're barely used in the passing game. It's really only when they get close that one of these guys has a chance to score. So I think relying on that is something I would try to avoid if, if possible.
0: I'm guessing then Paulson that leads you to spin Wilson over Mostert. If you are forced to choose one.
1: Well, he got the goal line. So that was, that was the tricky one last week was the goal line carry. Uh, And then, so that, I mean, that's six points. So that's pretty significant, especially when you're splitting work like this. So is he the goal line back or did he just happen to get the call on that play? And then I was just looking at the game log to see if Mostert's touches were limited at all after he fumbled. I mean, that was a big fumble uh, in the second quarter, but he had five of his, I believe, 10 touches in the second half. Jeff Wilson had five touches as well in the second half. So they, I don't think they really treated uh, Raheem Mostert any differently unless you know they were going into the game with Mostert in the lead role, which is what we've seen. He's been leading the backfield, and then now it's back to a 50-50 split, so we might see that. That just makes it tough to to pick one, and I if, if I were to pick one, I guess I would pick – I don't know. I, like this whole thing with the goal line carry, you just wonder, i got to pull the, the data to see, you know, last month or so, how many uh, carries inside the five each player has had and maybe make my decision that way.
0: It's close for sure. Sam, you also want to discuss the Vikings, who since they acquired T.G. Hawkinson in their last eight games, Justin Jefferson, of course, leads the team with a 30% target share. Hawkinson next – with 21.7% of the team's targets. What is happening with the rest of these players behind them?
2: So you can see on the chart here, this is combined target share for the top three players on each team. This is over the last four weeks. You'll see KJ Osborne on the Vikings at third right now for the team in target share. But I think you need to fade KJ Osborne right now. If you look a little bit closer, 16 of his 28 targets over the last four weeks have come in that one game against the Colts when they were coming from behind. And it was basically the Osborne breakout game. He has just had just 12 targets in the other three games combined. He's recorded just he's recorded more than 50 yards in a game, just one other time this season outside of that Colts game. Thielen is still running more routes, and I think is a much more consistent option at this point too. So I would be, if, if you're looking at these sort of cumulative stats over a, a period of time for Osborne, it, I'd be fading them based on, on that and and think Thielen is still the wide receiver two in that offense.
0: Vikings, of course, playing to win this game as of right now, it depends what happens with the Eagles in the first slate of games. Packers, of course, need some help. But that includes them winning out, so playing all the way through week 18, barring a loss this game. But, Paulson, any faith for Adam Thielen in particular, even as a wide receiver three or four here, given that it's a condensed target share, as Sam just mentioned?
1: Uh, you know, if this game turns into kind of a sneaky sh- shootout, there's, there's some upside there. Uh, I, you know, the way the Minnesota wins this game well, – I guess they, if you look at what they did in, the, in week one, they just threw the ball to a wide open Justin Jefferson – 45 times and they won the game but I I would assume that the Packers defense would adjust to that and maybe take him away or try to take him away at least and that should open up some opportunities for Osborne and for Thielen and especially for Hawkinson, who has played really well and has been a big part of the offense Uh, but you know Dalvin Cook should have a big game you know great matchup against a bad Packers rush defense but teams just tend not to stick with the run uh, against Green Bay for some reason and that plays right into their hands.
0: This is my concern with cook against the Giants last week too because it was a good matchup but the Vikings do not alter their plan against the opposing defense like Daniel Jones slung 42 pass attempts because Brian Dable's a genius and knows how to cater to each opposing defense but the Vikings do not do that they are pass heavy all the time Sam if we don't have TG Hawkinson though you have faith in Dawson Knox this week
2: I do. I think you might see this as chasing points a little bit because he's got a touchdown in three straight games, but his usage has gotten a lot better in those games as well. He has a team leading 22% target share in that three-game span. He's run a route on 79.4% of the team's dropbacks, which are both up from a 10.9% target share year to date in the games before that and a 67% routes run rate as well. So they play the Bengals on Monday night in a game with the second highest total of the week. And so there should be plenty of scoring in that game. The The Bengals defense has played pretty well, but I do think that there will be again, enough scoring in that game that Knox could find the end zone for a fourth straight week and continue to earn those targets as well.
0: Paulson, Dawson Knox, where is he at in your week 17 rankings relative to other few questionable tight ends we have this week?
1: Yeah, I was looking at him this morning and I moved him up a little bit uh, into the top 10. It's a weird deal outside the top six or seven tight ends this week, uh, but there are some guys that are appealing, and I think Knox is one of them due to that total that uh, Sam mentioned. Uh, Stefan Diggs is kind of struggling, so uh, it's certainly possible that Josh Allen will continue to look Knox's way in in the red zone. The other guy I wanted to mention is Cole Kmet. Uh, you know that that that's the total that's even higher than the Bills' uh, fifty two uh, between the, the 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 Bears and the uh, Lions, and they they are just so down bad at receiver that if. Uh, If Justin Fields can play, uh, Komet is a pretty live streamer uh, against Detroit defense that is 30th in adjusted fantasy points, allowed to tight ends. They've been bad against the position all year.
2: I do think, you know, I'm looking at your rankings here for half PPR, and you've got Waller sandwiched between Knox and Komet, who we mentioned. Sounds like there are some rumors that Derek Carr could sit in the game on Sunday, there's been some line movement in the game against the 49ers, and I think there might be some contract things with Carr that if he, he doesn't play certain games or something like that, they don't have to pay him as much. So,
0: I, I'm sorry to cut you off, but, yeah, I mentioned this in the recap podcast that Derek Carr has a niche in his contract where if he's injured over the next two weeks, his $37 million salary for next year is fully guaranteed, so they are probably trying to avoid that.
2: Oh, okay. That's good to know. So, yeah, keep an keep an eye on that. Um, and I think that's a, I think Nathan Peterman
0: might be their backup. Unfortunately, you are correct. Actually, so, yeah, go. No,
2: Jared off. Stidham. Jared Stidham.
0: Same guy. Same but anyway, person.
2: in any case, it would be a major downgrade for all of the Raiders' pass catchers, especially against the Fortniters
0: defense. So, yes, I agree, and we say major downgrade, but the fact is, Paulson that. Even so, Devontae Adams has been the wide receiver sixty-five and seventy-nine the past two weeks since Renfro and Waller returned. He has a twenty-six percent target share compared to thir- over thirty-five percent in the five games those two were out. So, what are you doing with Devontae Adams, anyways? Like whether Derek Carr plays or not?
1: Well, he's a you know mid-range, low-end you know wide receiver one. Regardless, I mean, he typically when he has these ba- a bad game, he comes back and has an awesome game, and that did not happen last week. Uh, but you know, if Derek Carr is out, then I think this, I mean, the, you, you mentioned the line movement, Sam, but I'm looking at the open and it was minus five and a half and it's now at minus six. So it hasn't moved a whole lot yet, but I assume that if Derek Carr sits, um, then this line's going to move further. I'll refresh that and make sure I'm looking at the right most current data, but, um, I would have thought that if it was a real possibility that he was going to sit, it'd be even even more oh now the yeah, yeah i refresh now i'm the seeing consents, it at minus nine yeah eight and a half i'm showing so and the totals dropped a little bit um yeah i mean i think that's certainly gonna if i re if i rerun the numbers with carr sitting it's and these new numbers this is you know, you know all these raiders are going to drop in the in the rankings i mean waller's not going to be a 10 Devontae's going to probably drop to a low end wide receiver one uh, josh jacobs is already a little bit low Uh, this week, given the the matchup against the 49ers. So, um, yeah, something to pay attention to for sure.
0: For the last time of the year, Paulson, I will ask, what else do you have coming out for everyone this week?
1: Uh, The final sneaky starts uh, of the week um, is going to be out today. And uh, I don't think we're doing an AMA in the Discord this week. My son has a basketball tournament, so I I don't know my uh, schedule in order to do the AMA. Uh, But other than that, just stay on top of the rankings heading into uh, Sunday, and hopefully uh, we can uh, get some championships.
0: Sam, what about yourself?
2: Uh, Final regular season hop into conclusions came out this morning. Have the breakout article coming tomorrow as well. Sometime in January after I've had a couple weeks of of break, we'll do a a full season recap recap for hopping to conclusions. But other than that, it's uh, it's been a pleasure talking with both of the Johns each and every week.
0: A very fun show that we are now seeing come to an end. And it only makes sense that, one more time before we get out of here, I remind the cheap skates asking start sick questions in the chat that our subs are massively discounted. Corporate took it off for all of you. Literally $4, 44 cents. Not sure where they got that number from, 44 uh For the rest of the year through the Super Bowl, and nine dollar for a Prosa, which also gives you access to our Discord chat, still ongoing for underdog playoff tournaments and DFS as well through the Super Bowl. It's all there for you, and there are so many moving pieces to be aware of in Week 16 that I can't imagine not coughing up the five bucks just to make sure your start sits are correct, since Paulson is updating the rankings each and every day until kickoff. So, thank you everyone for joining. Reminder to subscribe to the 4 4 YouTube channel. Hit and like subscribe if you're listening right now in order to continue to gain access to our shows throughout the year. And whenever the next time is we see you, remember, be a little bit kind in the next